Well, welcome to the Red Dirt Nation podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here with David Rapp, who's something of a weekend farmer. And we're going to have a chat about his life and some of the things that are important to him. So, David, I'll just firstly give you a, just an opportunity to introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Warren. Um, so, yeah, my name's David Rapp. Um, I've been mates with uh, Warren for a little while. We've um, touched base for something like 30 years with some big gaps in between. But um, love the opportunity to be here this morning and have a chat about things that are important to me. So, I guess as a bit of background, um, I've just uh, turned 52 so getting a little bit on in years, but um, have, live at Redcliffe, uh, which is north of Brisbane, a beautiful peninsula, surrounded by water. Um, have been living here since the early 70s when my father was transferred here as a police officer. So have grown up here, met my wife at the uh, local church. I have two daughters, both in their 20s. And uh, for most of my time, I have run automotive businesses um, as a family uh, concern. And uh, but now God's led in a different direction for me. Open up some doors, and I actually work in disability services with a company that provides um, bus transport for kids with special needs. But uh, you mentioned weekend farmer. Um, have a strong attachment to the land, Warren. Um, both my grandparents uh, came from farming backgrounds in the uh, North Burnett, and then uh, Southern New South Wales. My grandfather walked up here from Casino to Mullaney with his uh, family um, as a young guy, moved all their cattle up, took them weeks and weeks, settled at Conondale, which some people may know where it is, and uh, yeah, tried to eke out a living as a dairy farmer in Conondale, and I know that's an area that's close to your heart as well. So um, yeah, in the back of all of the uh, lifestyle that I've lived has always been um, an opportunity to get back to the land my father, as I said, was a police officer, spent a lot of time in some uh, high-stress areas at Homicide Squad, and it was important for him to have a getaway spot for his mental health. And uh, so he bought a little hobby farm, 40 acres, out at a place called Mount Tyson on the Downs, and uh, that's where it started. And um, when he left the police force and uh, my brother and I joined in the family business of a service station and then these automotive repair workshops, um, it was always important to have that area to get off to on the weekends to de-stress. Um, to the point now where Dad's retired, we've moved in different directions, but we still have um, a property just west of Kilcoy, cattle property. Um, at the moment, only running about 60 or 70 head because of uh, the drought. And um, But Warren, when I, I need to get up there. I need to go there at least once a fortnight to. to clear clear my head. It's a spot where... Um, where I can just be me, I can work hard. People don't understand the fact of um, getting away and working hard, but uh, the guys that I take up there, the friends that I take up there, um, understand the peace, understand the serenity, understand the connection that uh, that I have with that place. Um, that that brings that stress relief. So good, mate. So good. Now I've been to David's farm. Our family's camped there a little bit. Wonderful place, and. Um, I guess that uh, growing up on a dairy farm myself, I have some affinity at least with, uh, with the land. And uh, there's something about being on a farm and um, particularly a working farm and just appreciating all the things that go on, just the location itself. So David, when you're working there, you might be fencing or whatever, um, how does it feel to actually be on the land and um, to be in that place that's so special to you? It's hard to um, explain it, Warren. I guess you just feel 
relaxed. It's I think in the the day to day things that we do, if we're working in the city, the high pressure, um, the expectations are always on us to perform, um, and sometimes we might do well at that, and other times we mightn't do so well. And um, and I think we're probably harsh judges of ourselves. Uh, we want to always um, be doing the best. I believe most of us want to do that. But at the end of the day, um, for me, it's getting away, um, doing the fencing, like you say. Um, it's rough work. Anyone out there that's run barbed wire fences uh, knows about it, and you're dealing with machinery. And most of the time, you've got people wanting to help. Um, I love taking my uh, nephews up there, teaching them a little bit. But um, sometimes, yeah, it's, uh, it's just good to be away. I can't explain it. Um, fully a lot of people don't understand it but I think anyone out there that that um, has a property has worked the land has grown up on the land understands that that connection that I, I would describe as spiritual um, and um, I don't know any farmers that um, just treat the land as um, a commodity that comes and goes I think they all understand the land they understand the way that it's best managed and they want to care for it because um, ultimately they're wanting to hand it on to the next generation that's awesome. And if you're listening on the back of a tractor or something, um, shout out to you. Um, we really uh, want to champion you in, in what you're doing. Often, except in times of drought, uh, people in rural and remote places are forgotten. And so, um, you know, David, I know, has a real heart for people who live and work in the bush. Now, we've been through a drought recently. David's regularly asked me to pray for rain for their property. And um, my prayers have been sometimes successful and sometimes not and as a person of faith um, I'm sure David has to grapple with well we live in a country that can be pretty harsh sometimes droughts and those sorts of things and I, I guess it is as a person of faith it creates an interesting dynamic trying to wrestle with well how do I deal with um, this situation which isn't great I'm watching animals suffering and I'm praying and and things may or may not seem to be happening. So how as a person of faith, David, do you kind of deal with brown paddocks and distressed animals? Yeah, Warren, it's, um, it's difficult. Um, I don't pretend that it's anything other than that. And again, that mental stress comes into it. Um, my father lives on the property permanently. I only go up uh, every now and again. But, um, you know, I, I can't fully comprehend the stress and the uh, mental fatigue that comes with getting up every morning and... Um, Firstly, thinking is today the day it's going to rain, checking out all the weather um, forecasts, and, and then I guess coming to grips with the fact that uh, even though the clouds have built up like it says it was going to do and it's gone around and we've missed out again, and, and that deflation that comes with that. And then you've got the whole issue of um, finance, you're managing the, the feed, managing um, the fodder that you, you want to buy in, um, when to sell, uh, if you do have a choice not to sell what you do to feed the stock, um, you know, we're only doing it on a micro scale up there. It's not a big concern. I guess at the peak when things are running good, we run 120 breeders, but uh, there's guys that'll be listening to this that that's small fry, but I think everything's still the same. You have to make choices and, and you don't like seeing your stock suffering. Um, and and it's, it's horrible to, to pull the calves off the cows and send them off to markets. And, you know, it, it's cost you more to get them there than what you actually get for them under the hammer. And that's that's um, demoralising. It just rips your heart out, and um, you know, especially when those ca those calves belong to your daughter's cows, and they don't understand. And and um, but you know, it, behind it all, I have a faith in God that um, um, He will will do what is needed at the right time for me. 
the last time we sold cattle in January, it rained two weeks later and our dams were full. But, um, you know, that's what it is. And uh, we, we trust him. If I didn't have the faith, um, I guess that, that everything would, would not make sense. And he gives me that, um, that peace in the time of the storm. I guess we come back to that old Dorothy McKellar poem, Ultimately Warren, that it's a, um, a land of rugged mountains of droughts and flooding rains and um, probably haven't seen enough flooding rains recently but uh, praise God I think they're coming so good so yeah a lot of people I guess can identify with that idea of you know looking looking to the sky and praying and and having to wrestle with uh, why doesn't God seem to answer my prayers and just encourage you to know that uh, he does know and uh, even though um, we don't always know why things happen how they do um, I guess people of faith sort of have to stand there pretty solid on, on the things that they believe and, and trust God for all things, not just the weather. Now, David, you've been around a while and you've traveled reasonably widely, and I'm wondering whether there's a, a place in Australia that's really sort of blowing you away, something that sort of sticks in your memory. Yeah, Warren, I've, um, I've been around a little bit, haven't traveled as, um, as far and wide as some people, but I tell you what, the, um, the areas that I've been to overseas make me definitely understand that we live in the best country um, and when I was contemplating the areas of Australia that I have visited the, the places that have impacted me the most have always been out in the country even though I live on the coast I, I can walk five minutes in two or three directions and see the water and the uh, the surf and um, the not so nice beaches of Redcliffe but I love the country so um, a couple of years ago my daughter took a job as a governess out on Kunjalela station which is um, west of Springshaw. Um, we went out to visit. First time was was in necessity because she uh, lost a wheel on her four-wheel drive and was in the middle of nowhere. And uh, she's got an uncle and a father that uh, can help her out. So did the overnight trip to get her going. But the first time, uh, Warren, that we come over the hill, uh, we took the Tambo, uh, the, the Dawson Development Road from Springshaw. Um, we've seen the uh, battered old sign that says Kunjalela. We're driving over the top of this hill and I sight the Carnarvon Gorge, um, which is the back, the back door, the back boundary of Kunjalela Station. Blown away, um, taking photos, probably the Facebook feed was overloaded with that. Um, what a beautiful place. And then when we approached the station um, and saw the view that she woke up to every morning from her back veranda, that, that just blew me away. And um, look, I, I marvel at creation. And I also thank the Creator for um, what a beautiful place. And even in the midst of the drought out there, um, just to see um, the beauty of creation. Um, but also it gave me opportunity in all these places that I've visited um, to look at ways of partnering with some of the local churches there. And um, indeed, when the Springshore um, Community Church had a fundraiser last year, we were able to partner with them um, to raise probably in excess of $20,000 for a hay run for the local farmers there. And um, it helps them feel that they're not alone, but it also gives our church in, um, in Deception Bay an opportunity to actually see what's going on, to be a part of it and to, to partner with it. So good. Beautiful part of the world. And good to be reminded of some of these great places that are part of our great nation. Well, we all have hopes and dreams for for our country and they might differ. It's one of the wonderful things about being part of such a diverse nation is people do have different dreams uh, for our country. But 
I thought that uh, it'd be great to ask David what his dreams are and hopes for Australia and just to hear his perspective on that. So David, what do you reckon? Warren, I, I value mateship. Um, I think that's something that this country was founded on in a lot of ways. Um, I have a lot of respect and um, uh, definitely value the, the older generations. Um, I'd like to think that that's something that will continue and that I've, I've taught that to my children. Um, I love the stories that I read about the, um, the diggers in, in the, the two world wars and, um, and seeing what they went through the struggles that they made, but ultimately beneath that all was the mateship that they held and, and the, the love and the esteem they had for their, their country. And it was about the country. It was about protecting, defending. Um, we can have um, debates about the political um, decisions behind it all, but these guys just um, put their head down and, and had a crack and, um, and this nation was important to them. Um, so I, I value all the stories that come out of that. I think um, those guys that came back um, and then had to start again. I definitely wasn't the Centrelink and the, um, all those little, uh, the things the government puts in place that we see even now with all the COVID reactions. Um, I, I don't know how this, um, how some of the generations might cope in the next 20 years if they had to go through a war. Yet this, this country um, saw its prosperity build in the 60s, 70s and 80s on the back of the hard work from those guys. So if there's a hope for the nation for me, Warren, it's that we we get back to to mateship and um, putting our shoulder to the wheel together, no matter where we come from, um, our ethnicity, um, our religious beliefs, our political beliefs, that, that um, we get back to unity as a nation. And I, I know that it, some people would say that's a pipe dream. I know that others might say, well, it's not going to happen. But I think if it doesn't happen, we probably do have some issues moving forward. Look, I, I, um, I watched a show on Channel Nine, uh, Channel 7 during the week that was uh, celebrating 20 years since the Sydney Olympics and, uh, and saw the coming together of all the nations, but they were concentrating on that one night in September 2000. And it was when Kathy Freeman ran the 400 metres. Um, and she said, I'm just a little girl from the bush and, um, and I loved it. It still brings emotion to me 20 years later to see um, the joy in that young lady's heart, winning the 400 metres at the Sydney Olympics in front of a home crowd, in front of her nation, and then running the, the victory lap with both the flags, the Aboriginal flag and the Australian flag over her shoulder. Those are the things that should unite us. And um, the fact that it brings emotion 20 years later for me um, speaks volumes. So the hope of the nation ultimately is God bringing healing um, and, uh, and us being willing to, to love each other and to put our shoulders to the grindstone. Yeah, so good. And, but sometimes, you know, in mateship, um, you know, some of our friends aren't going so good and um, we need to be aware of just how people are going. I know we started with talking a little bit about mental health um, for men and for women. And David, you've got some thoughts about that and I'd, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, Warren, look, um, it's important, and I think this comes back to, we talked about my time at the farm, that the way that I have an outlet, and um, I think that's important for everybody. I think blokes particularly, we like to think we've got it all together. We don't think that we, um, we need help. We don't think we need to ask for help. We don't think we need to talk about our problems. Um, the biggest thing I've learned is, um, is clearing my head, 
and not being afraid to speak up. And um, I've got some good mates that I can share anything with, that I can ring up at whatever time of the day or night, and they're there for a chat. If needs be, they'll even jump in a car and come and, and meet me. Um, but it's important, and uh, you're not weak um, if, you, if you ask for help. Um, in fact, it, you, you're strong. I believe it shows uh, a sign of maturity and um, an understanding of your own health if you if you ask for help. So, uh, anyone out there who's struggling, um, get on the phone. There's plenty of um, places. If you haven't got a mate, you can get a hold of. Um, Lifeline is always a, a good point of call, and I'll just give the number one three one double one four one three one double one four. Get out there and 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 uh, speak about what's going on. Don't let it get too far out of control. Um, there's always a way out. Always a way out. So good, so good. Now we're about to wrap up, but I thought um, we'd give David an opportunity to share one life lesson. Uh, he's lived a little bit of life, as you've sort of picked up in his story. One life lesson that he'd like to pass on to uh, to people who are listening in. Only one. Um, look, there's plenty. There's plenty. I, I wrote down a heap when Warren asked me what I could uh, pass on as a life lesson. And I ultimately came down... Um, that you value your family and friends. Someone said to me years ago, and I'm guessing it won't be new, uh, on my deathbed, Warren, I'm not going to wish that I spent one more day at work or one more day in the office or one more minute on the phone call trying to network something. I value my family and friends. So um, I guess that, that time spent and um, and not only just receiving encouragement and, um, and value, but also giving that out. Value your family and friends. So good. Well, thank you for listening into the Red Dirt Nation podcast. It's been great to have your company and catch up with us next week. See you later, hey? Bye.